Turn myself on. There we go. Good morning, everyone. You can try that again. Good morning. Hi. It's a sleepy sundown. Are we all feeling it? Anyway, it's great to be with you. For those who don't know, I'm Nat. And um, yeah, it's just, um, I have such a sense of excitement for today because I know who's coming up in a moment to share with us. Um, so a big welcome just to Wes and his son, Cade, here, who's just come to keep an eye on his dad and make sure that he stays in line. Am I right, Cade? You just sit there and give him a thumbs up or thumbs down. He'll keep an eye on you. And it's Meg. Meg's at the back. Meg, don't you want to come and sit at the front? No, don't worry. Okay, she's keeping half an eye on the little one who's outside with, in the capable hands of Malta. But yeah, it's great to be with you. I'm just going to open up the service, and then I'm going to invite uh, Wes up to share with us. Um, yeah. Father, I just thank you for this um, vision series that we're un- unpacking at the moment. I thank you for what you have birthed and, and planted seeds on in the heart of our community to do these incredible things, to enjoy God, love people, release potential, and impact community. And Father, I really pray today that you do deep work in each of our hearts as we, um, as we explore this topic of impacting community. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. So I'm just going to do a very slight recap of last week, and I'll tell you why. Last week, we, as I said, we started this vision series, which is what Olive Tree Churches do across all three sites, and hopefully one day um, we'll have as many as 10 sites if, um, if we go where Ross is wanting to go. But these things will always mark Olive Tree sites, and that will be that we want to be a community of people who do enjoy God, um, and that's the starting place of everything that we do, that we would be people who radically love people, who unlock and release the potential that we know that God has put in people, and that unlocking and releasing that potential would not be just for the people themselves, but it would be actually to impact community. And I do want to also just say that all of this, we really believe, if it is done from a place of just a revelation of God's goodness and love and grace and kindness, that it would be restful. It wouldn't be this like working, striving, got to get something done, I've got to do a job to make my dad pleased. No, it would just be an overflow of how incredible he is to us. So um, yeah, last week we chatted about release potential. And um, in the early days uh, when Ross and Amy first came, for the, in, about 10 years ago, we were releasing potential like absolute maniacs. It was like people would walk in, and within a week, they'd be doing something crazy. It was, it was just a part of our DNA, and um, we were very blessed to have had a leadership team who were huge on taking risks, and uh, they would have the dodgiest people doing the craziest things, um, and it was a beautiful season. We just saw pockets of kingdom breaking out all around um, our community, and then you know, in church world, you go through seasons, and there was a few knocks and a few difficult times across all three of us at, and it's kind of at some point we realized that this release potential had kind of gone to sleep a little bit, and recently on an Elders Weekend Away, they just said, no, it's time to light the match again on releasing potential, and so we, we are trusting that that's going to start happening again in, this, um, in, this, in all three of our Olive communities, and, um, and that, that would cause what we're talking about today, an impact in the community. Um, so just to help with where we're going today, um, chatted briefly about um, a burden last week. We, we heard about Nehemiah, who um, had this absolute longing to see the city of Jerusalem have a revival and to see kingdom breaking out in Jerusalem. And, and this was a, a burden in his heart when he, when he heard that actually Jerusalem was in ruins and things were going terribly and the walls were broken down and the city was in a complete state of disrepair. 
it, it broke him. He wept. He, he went before the Lord actually for a few months and cried out. And, and what we hear in that is that he was deeply burdened. Now, um, just quickly to understand, there's a difference between like enraged and outraged and a burden. And the one causes us to moan and gripe and have a go in the car park or, or have a, a scandal session with our friend or take to Facebook or whatever. But a burden is more than that. A burden is like where it gets to the point of you going, I literally cannot not do anything about this anymore. And so that's what we hear, um, we hear happening with Nehemiah. It's this understanding that we have of what God had intended it to be, of, of we seeing something that's so ugly and broken, and we're going, but, but I know that that doesn't line up with God wants, with what God wants. And then we go, I, I just simply can't anymore. I'm too burdened by this, and I need to do something. And um, we just explored the fact that I think there's, there's a little seed inside of, at least a seed inside of all of us that is our potential. Um, and that sometimes we've allowed that seed to not grow because we've just allowed the soil around our hearts to get hard. And we've kind of inoculated or, or made ourselves immune to what's going on. And that seed just can't grow. And where we believe that the soil softens is actually in time, in time spent with our Father. And that as we actually just enjoy Him and get a heart for Him and read His Word, that we start to be reminded of how He wanted things to be. And His love actually softens that soil to make us want to love more, to, to make this love want to pour out. And that's where the seeds can actually germinate and grow. If that soil is hard... It doesn't, nothing happens. But when it is soft, and we believe that it becomes soft in his presence, then, then the, the growth starts to happen, and that seed, that, really, that potential starts to be released. So I believe, and there could be more ways, or I could be wrong, but I believe that I have seen strong evidence for three types of ways that these seeds can be planted. And the one way is that burden. It's just that thing that, you know, sometimes you... I've heard of a, a friend's child who just used to see uh, poor people and, and just sob. And then she'd play games in her back garden with her friends where she'd make like a soup kitchen, like a charity center. And this child was just burdened by the plight of the poor. And um, we just know that she'll go on to do that kind of thing. But a burden is that thing that you'll, you'll read scripture about and you'll read articles about and you, you just, you're just going, I, I can't not be a part of the solution. And then the second thing is... Um, is, is uh, a not so great way to have a seed planted, but I believe a way nonetheless. And um, it's something that I believe is birthed in that, well, not birthed, but supported by that scripture in Romans 8, 28, where it just says that he will use all things for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. And um, I think that's why sometimes you, you can see a, a horrific event or trauma or tragedy happening to somebody, and they just go, because I love you and am called according to your purpose, I'm going to... Let that seed, that thing there, grow into something that is beautiful and will be called, used for your purpose, God. And um, one person that we've just, some of us, encountered recently who is an example of that is Audrey Mbuyazi, who shared at our Wholehearted Women's Conference. And um, she had this little darling boy, it was her fourth child, and very tragically, when he was two, he drowned um, in a swimming pool. And she, um, over, over time, realized that this kid had lived exceptionally fully for a two-year-old. He had done things way ahead of time. He had just, like, gone... It, it was almost as if this little one knew that he had two years, and he was just going to go full throttle at his two years. And this really 
sparked something in Audrey of just going, God, I know that when that little boy got to you, he just went, I gave it everything. I just went full throttle and lived fully with what you had put inside of me. And she just said, I want to do the same. And from that moment, she, she, she realized that God had given her a voice that would reach people. And she started singing and um, playwriting, and she just went, I just want to live fully. Um, so that's the second thing, is that um, there can be a seed burst from something that's traumatic or hard, but you just go, well, I can let it kill me, I can let it sink me, or I can go, God, let me use this for good, because I am called and you love me. And then the third thing is a more fun kind of way that I think we often see this potential and, and unlock it, and that is just really how kids played. Um, what did you play when you were a kid? What was that thing that kept you busy for hours and hours and hours? Because very often that is something of the root of your design, that thing that was placed there that is the potential that will be released. So um, there's those things. There's that seed, and we just think, all of us in that place of just having the soil around our heart softened can start to see growth happen. And that happens when we just spend time with God and spend time with people around us in, in faith who see and speak those things into reality. So um, I just wanted to quickly share this with you from Isaiah 61, um, just to show you, this is a, a prophecy, the book of Isaiah is all prophetic, and it's it's giving us a, an inkling of what it would look like when actually God starts to restore his world, when kingdom starts to come back, when we, the ones empowered by his Holy Spirit, actually start to go, we're breaking out kingdom around us. And this is from Isaiah 61. It says, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me. And, and really, you know, Jesus left and then he said, I'm leaving my help, I'm leaving my Holy Spirit to empower you, to make this thing easier than it would be if you just did it in your own strength. And so for those of us who've chosen Jesus, we can and really should desire to just be filled and equipped with, with um, Holy Spirit. So the Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim the good news to the poor. So this is just a picture of what God wanted to see happen. And poor is also translated as needy. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted. Now, we've got some girls in our community who work in Bloom and Kingdom Kids and some people who work at um, various, uh, the Autism Project and various spaces around here who are doing a job. They're doing something that they feel they were wired and called to do. But in that, I've seen these ladies do so much more. They are playing a role in binding up the brokenhearted. I've seen them, see these moms and dads who, who come down the, the pathway some days just completely broken and overwhelmed. And it's not just a case of, here, let me take your child and off you go. There's prayer and crying together and, and just meeting with those ladies and those men who are just utterly and completely overwhelmed with the great task of raising their children. And um, that's just one way that I see this impacting of community, where there's that binding up the brokenhearted. And um, then there's to proclaim freedom to the captives. And all of us um, here have got some inkling of the freedom that Jesus gives us. If you've um, made that decision to follow him, you will have tasted that freedom. And there's a beautiful scripture that just says, be ever ready to give a reason for your hope. And to just always have that story ready to go, because when we speak of the freedom that he's given us, it gives people, it unlocks keys around us for other people's freedom. Um, and to release from darkness the prisoners. There are so many around us living in crippling guilt and shame and depression and addiction and fear and de desperation. 
and empowered by his spirit, we can play a role in releasing darkness from prisoners and we impact community when we do that. To proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance for our God. And the day of vengeance about our, of our God is basically him talking about this injustice and saying it's time to right injustice. And many of you are called to do that. Where you see injustice, you just go, I, I can't bear that anymore. That's your burden. And it's something where you're going, I, I just need to and want to do something about that. And to comfort all who mourn. And to provide for those who grieve in Zion. And to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes. And that's really what Wes does, um, which we'll get to in a moment. And I know he's, he's, he doesn't even like us talking this way. He's a deeply humble man, which you'll see when he's up here in a moment. But that um, crown of beauty instead of ashes, it's all of you with God's spirit have something which can bring beauty into something that is ashes, destroyed. Those, those walls of Jerusalem, that destruction, that thing that needed to be restored, God can help us to bring beauty where there's ashes. And um, that's what uh, Wesley does is he goes around and he, he does art in places that are broken and hard and dark and in, la- in need of hope. And he goes and he beautifies and restores something that was ash. The oil of joy instead of mourning and a garment of praise instead of despair. Um, so when we, the church, are the church that is releasing potential and impacting community and loving people and enjoying God... We, we see incredible things start to happen. Um, we just recently had our wholehearted conference, and in that space, we just got as many people as we could up there to share story and to be able to show their potential. And just a week later, um, Ross just had this wonderful young lady come up to him and who said that for seven years she had been utterly crippled with depression, anxiety, suicidal thoughts, and in that space of, of the conference where people are just being the church, she says she felt God pull something out of her and that she knew in that moment she was freed of depression, freed of anxiety, and that those haunting, taunting thoughts of suicide were gone and removed. They will be called the oaks of righteousness. Now, an oak tree is a big beast of a strong tree. And what this is talking about is that We will be strong and established in God. And you know you can go and lean against an oak. You can can be under its shade. And that we would, in time, as we just follow Christ more and more and get rooted in him and enjoy God, we have these strong roots and we are like an oak tree, an oak of righteousness that people go, I want to go and lean against that person. They are strong, they are rooted, they are grounded, and I know that I will be safe there. So they will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for a display of his splendor. When you go to one of those oaks of righteousness, when you go and lean against their trunk and and take from their strength, it is something that is displaying his splendor. When you say to that person, how is it that you are so unwavering? How is it that you are so rooted with all that is going on? They point to his splendor. They say, it's him. It's my father in heaven. It's being rooted in his love and established in his love that allows this. There are people in our community who are in workspaces dealing with terrible darkness and coming up against horrible corruption who are becoming established and becoming an oak that is going to allow for people who are kind of in a space of going, how will I ever get out of this? How can I turn the tide on this thing? How can I step out of this thing that is causing so much pain? Who will look to these oaks who have established their roots in God and they'll go, 
teach me how you do this. How, how, can, how can I bring this into my life? They will rebuild the ancient ruins, restore the places long devastated, and renew, and renew the ruined cities that have been devastated for generations. This is what the church can be. It's a prophetic picture of what us as a community of believers can be. So what happens in the Bible is over and over and over, especially in the New Testament, there are healings and miracles and deliverances. And what happens when these things happen is that it's not simply that somebody's healed or that there's a miracle or like 5,000 loaves and, and, and 2,000 fish or whatever it is. I've got my numbers very wrong. But all of these things are signs that point to God. And that is, that is really what the impact community is. We have this potential that can be released, and we can either allow that potential to be released in a way that it'll be a sign that points to ourselves, or that it'll be a sign that points to God. And when it is a sign that points to God, that is when it has a massive impact on community. I think sometimes when we hear this language about potential being released and impacting community, we think that we have to go and do some great, big, huge thing. And we can find that our prayer life is very much a space of going, God, give me more, give me more, give me more. And I think that there's this beautiful principle in the Bible that talks about being given little and trusted with little, and you'll be given much. And you know, everyone in this room who has had an encounter with God has got something that should be shared, that should be given out to impact the community. Um, if you just think back to any time when you've felt God's love or peace or a revelation, just sharing that thing, just asking God for an opportunity to share that thing, impacts somebody which can turn into impacting community. And um, I would just say to you, if you're in that place where you're going, God, please give me more. I just want more of you, more revelation, more of this, more of that. Start by going, God, what have you already given me? What is something that you've changed in me that I can really use to share and to intersect somebody else's life? So, Wes, won't you please come up and join me? Everyone, please give him a great big hand as he comes up. And um, like I said, he is, he is to me this Isaiah 61, that he bestows on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes. And you will get to hear that as he speaks. Jess, why don't you just show us that first video? Um, thank you so much. Welcome, Wes. Thanks so much. Do you want to just quickly tell us about that video, if you don't mind? Good morning, everyone. <laughs> um, that was just a, a mural that was commissioned by Itaquini Municipality. Um, it was uh, a new building where they um, 
where all the building, like uh, the steam rollers and things like that that they use to tar the roads and things like that, they, the workers obviously don't enjoy their work that much because it's, it's, it's quite tough work. And they wanted to create a, a mural that makes them feel important that they, they actually are the hope of the community. That was the brief um, to, to create something that when they go to work and realize what they're actually doing for the roads and, and for the area, that they are actually fixing up. So it was cool to uh, come up with a concept and propose it. And yeah. Beautiful. Okay, so we've started already. I just dived right in there. But what I wanted to really just say to all of you is um, how Wes is here today is that on Monday night we had a little meeting um, with a couple of people here, and I was like, I want to speak to them, uh, get somebody to come and share on impact and community. And then um, the next day we had a staff devotion um, at our Florida Road site where all, all the staffs from all churches come together, and they had Wes sharing. And so we had Candy and I had fresh on our minds that we were looking for somebody to come and share on impact community. And there's Wes come to share with the staff. And um, it was kind of like Candy and I were sitting next to each other and like elbowing and getting really excited, going, this is the guy for Sunday. So um, Ross Blair and, and Wes were having this conversation in front of us. And um, at the end, Ross said, are there any questions? And I was like, what are you doing on Sunday? And um, just, no. <laughs> just so you know, um, Wes is not a public speaker. He, this is absolutely terrifying for him. Am I right? Yes. Yeah. And um, you know that they say that um, it is most people actually fear death less than public speaking. That's what the stats have said. I, mean, I didn't make that up. I found that on Google. Um, and so, <laughs> so people would rather die. Many people would rather die than do this. It is a huge deal. And so... Um, Wes, I just wanted to say really thank you. Like, he, he wrestled over it, and, and when he realized that he didn't have to get up here and be a theologian, but literally to come and sit here very humbly and share this thing, this seed that God has put inside of him and how he's using it to impact community. As a source of inspiration to you guys, he has taken the very bold and brave step of, of coming to do that with us, and I just think that's incredible. So thank you, Wes, and well done, and I, I'm absolutely convinced that this is going to cause something in all of us today. Um, so I just wanted to show this, because we're talking a lot about art today, really, uh, this profound, incredible work of art, if you don't mind, Jess. Uh, there we go. It says, where the magic happens, and then your comfort zone. You see they're not in the same place. <laughs> your comfort zone and where the magic happens are two very different things. And so I honor you for stepping out of your comfort zone and coming to do that. And I know that as a result, we'll have some magic. Thank you, Wes. And I really, they are a friendly bunch. I know they look a little bit alien from up here, but they're actually very nice. Um, and so don't, don't, you just sit back and enjoy and relax. Thank you. Um, as a teacher, Wes, I'm always fascinated in um, the role of childhood and, and what that does to, to create the adults that we all live and work with. And I just wondered if you could share with us any key things from your childhood that you feel have shaped who you are today and where you're at and all of that. Um, yeah, so it's not always the easiest thing to talk about, um, but I think I had a, a dad that did all the, I guess, the things that were expected of him, like... Uh, provide food on the table and, and food and clothes and all, and all of that. But, um, yeah, it was quite a hard man. Um, made me work in the garden. We didn't have gardeners. 
So every weekend I would have to work in the garden. That was my thing. Um, and the one, I, I would obviously never do the job right because I was a kid. And the one thing he had said to me, oh, you've got no attention to detail. Absolutely, you've got absolute no attention to detail because you, you're missing all the weeds and all of that. And um, I, I, like at that age, it was quite, it hurt me quite a lot because obviously I didn't understand what you're saying. Um, and I was trying my best <laughs> to pull the weeds. And, and that was one thing that like impacted me negatively and gave me quite a lot of low self-esteem um, as well as my dad was very strict in terms of he was like a perfectionist in terms of the house that he bought. We weren't allowed sticking anything on the wall in my, in my bedroom. So we weren't allowed sticking any pictures. Like as a kid, if you, I was into skateboarding and surfing and things like that. And obviously you want to stick cool stuff on the wall, your, your favorite cricket player or something. I wasn't allowed because the press stick leaves a mark if you pull the poster off. So it was like quite hectic. I wasn't allowed to be very expressive. And I think um, maybe that played a role as I grew up um, discovering being creative. And, and I probably that was kind of wired my brain in some way in terms of uh, feeling attractive to being, a, being doing something creative, like how oh, I'm able to be creative within that. Um, so that was definitely two very negative things that happened in my life that now looking back psychologically probably inspired me. So I'm hoping that that, maybe that little story might, whatever you may or people that you might know that are going through, like, just something to think about, you know? Yeah. Um, so I'd love for all of you who are on Instagram, who's on Instagram? Okay, you're not allowed to do it now. Your phones are meant to be off. But um, Wes goes under the name uh, Rizzo Borg. That's his art. And I mean, this art, it's been, uh, your murals have been all over the world, really. Um, it's just an incredible thing that you've got to, to this place of being able to inspire and, and bring hope all around the place. Um, and I think what's so fascinating is that it's quite rare, really, that you know we, we all have to make money as adults. Most of us have to make money. And we have these things that we love doing, those, the, the, the passions and the things that we would do as a hobby. And it's such a rare and incredible gift to be able to find that those two things are the same thing. Um, do you mind sharing with us how did that come about? Because it really, you are like one of the few. <laughs> well, yeah. I don't know. I don't, I don't know about that. Uh, I think there's a lot of people here that I'm sure are doing amazing things. Um, so and I don't want to. Yeah. <laughs> but um, uh, there were a few things that my dad did teach me. <laughs> besides, the, the, But um, uh, and, well, teaching me in a negative way is the one thing is I wasn't spoiled like uh, for example, I was into skateboarding, but I was never allowed to get the pro skateboard that had an artwork on it. So I would create my own artwork on the skateboard so I could have a cool skateboard. <laughs> um, but uh, uh, boredom, the, ha being bored and not having opportunities um, and being like my dad wouldn't like take us out and entertain us and be like, oh, let's go to Spur or whatever. I don't think Spur was around then. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, um, having now, you know, obviously coming full circle, but just thinking back, having... And obviously boredom can actually be a negative thing because you could obviously be bored and then start doing negative things like getting into drugs or whatever. But I think 
having being attracted to being creative and having the opportunities to skateboard, um, I had the time to explore because I had less opportunities. I used the opportunities that I did have mm. um, that helped me to persevere. Like if I had more options, I'd be like, oh, I don't really like that. I'll just go do this or, or whatever. So um, that that was one thing that uh, really helped me to to follow it through yeah. and and persevere through through that. Yeah. And at some point you were at Vega. Um, tell us. About I was a teacher at Vega, which is a design school, and I did do that to try and step out of my uh, role of uh, fear of speaking, and I did that for a couple of years, and that was <laughs> a lot smaller groups, so it was uh, it was okay. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but tell, I was quite interested when you chatted the other day about Vega, you, yeah. you said that the application process had also been quite instrumental in, in pushing you to persevere and, yeah. So my dad, also, I wasn't very good at anything else at school. I wasn't, I'm not good at maths or science or anything that probably you guys are probably good at. Um, the only thing I, I, I I'm not going to say this, you can laugh, but I would, at that time and I do have low self-esteem. I, I thought that I was a loser <laughs> because I wasn't really good at sports or anything. Um, and my dad was really... My dad actually forced my older brother to do mechanical engineering and my brother hated doing mechanical engineering. My brother was actually very, very completely, like, the opposite, very bright. And he's actually doing something completely different now. But he learned from, from forcing my brother to study something that he didn't want to do said, okay, what do you want to do? And I was like, well, I do want to do art or design. And because I went to school with no art training, I thought I was good compared to everyone else in class, but I was actually really bad. <laughs> so I thought I was good, but I was actually terrible because the secretary, um, when you apply to, to study art and design at, at DUT, at, back in the day it was Technicon 1999 or year 2000, um, you have to do an entrance test and... and it was actually on my birthday uh, where I had to do the entrance test and, and I actually, it was terrible because I think I was number 41 on the list. They, they choose 40 um, per year and I, they, my dad phoned and said, oh, we haven't heard, has my, dad be, has my son been accepted? And they said, actually, you, you rated 41 on the list. No one is supposed to know the rating system. So we've rated it because of someone... Uh, uh, Decides to, just do, decides to do something else, then you, you can come into the program. So knowing that someone did uh, decide to do something else, I was in the, I started, you know, I was enrolled, but um, just knowing that I was the worst rated person and no one else knew the rating was quite hectic. So to come from that to now being able to pay bills is quite... Uh, like I'm, it's nice to know that I'm able to pay bills. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Dad. Um, so, if you don't mind just sharing with us, um, at what point God kind of became a part of your story, and how that changed your perspective on anything? So, I had a granddad um, who was a really great uh, father figure to me. He was very peaceful, uh, mildly tempered, never got angry. My dad was kind of the opposite. Um, and when he was uh, dying, uh, sorry, it's a bit hard for me to talk about it. Sorry, Liz. Um, but yeah, when he, when, when he was on his deathbed, uh, we were obviously we were all around him, and my mom had asked me to just maybe uh, 
she gave me some money and she she just said uh, maybe go to the spa down the road and um, uh, have just get some food and have a break from from what we were going through. And I feel like I had an encounter with God because I felt this. Uh, I, I felt like I had this thing inside of me saying that no matter what, we should try and be happy through 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 heartache and through pain. Uh, <laughs> I didn't know that this was going to happen. Sorry, Wes. <laughs> um, but I spoke to the lady behind the counter, and she said, um, I felt like I had to say to her, um, you know, God says that we should be happy no matter what, because I saw her, and she, I was like, her job must be terrible, like just... Just as a young 16-year-old, I thought, like, yo, it must be so boring working behind a um, counter, like, serving donuts. And the amazing thing is when I said that, she she looked, like, very mean and, and unhappy. And she turned around and she actually just started talking, giving me so much happiness and giving me so much joy. And said, God is, I, know, I can't remember exactly what you said, but the, 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 the nuts and bolts of it is, like, God is awesome. And she told me a whole bunch about how, it's awesome and uh, how, you know, we have to be, try and be happy through our trials and, and the things that we face. And, and, and the penny kind of dropped and I realized, like, actually we sometimes feel like we have a little to give and no matter whatever we're going through, like if we're helping people, and sometimes we get so much more from that giving. Like, we just, like you, you don't know what you're giving to that person or to that community. It might feel so insignificant that actually you don't know what, what you can actually do to that person. And that kind of uh, motivated me. I think it resonated with me as I started in my career, like that what I'm doing and all the work that I'm doing it might be insignificant, but hopefully, I hope, that it is impacting in a small way. And hopefully it is bigger. I'm not sure. I'm just an artist. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um it definitely is. I mean, like, I started by saying Wes doesn't like to communicate um, or, or to speak publicly, and it's just so incredible that he said yes. But actually, you're speaking very publicly through what you do on walls. I mean, like, you're, you're shouting to thousands of people, really. Um, it's just in, in the way that, that you've been wired to do. Um, and Wes, you've got a very um, distinctive style. Um, I'd, love, I'd love you to talk about some of the inspiration that got you to doing the kind of art that you do. Um, so, uh, I think um, I sent you that, that video with uh, John Foreman, uh, and, and he summed it up quite uh, uh, easily to, to um, comprehend. I think that life um, happens in context, and it's about listening and looking around you. Um, and for me, I was influenced by what... Um, just trying to word it like what is the South African uh, story like what I was into Japanese animation as a kid but um, what, what what actually is the the graphic feel of, of South African culture and a lot of it is the the barbershop um, uh, pop-up hair salons that you would see I don't know if you've got a slide yeah um, that Have you, just, you seen that? Who's seen that kind of thing? Um, if you go through Durban City, you see them all on the side there. Yeah. You probably think it's terrible. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, just as a as a um, young kid skateboarding through the city and exploring different environments, also as a skateboarder, you look when you 
a normal normal person <laughs> who doesn't skateboard, uh, you look at a building as it is, but as a skateboarder, you look at it, um, how can you use stairs or rails to do tricks on. So also to skateboarding as a sport um, uh, makes you, as a kid growing up, makes you look at the world differently. And, and obviously I felt like this was a very natural, organic uh, artwork that's been painted on 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 almost anything like found objects and things is a it's 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 a nice metaphor for people taking what what they have instead of buying an expensive frame, spending lots of money just on the frame and then framing this perfect piece of artwork. So that's definitely been an an inspiration um, in in the work that I produce. Yeah, and um, the thing that's so distinctive about your work is that you you have like really clean lines and you know most people doing artwork on walls and that are spray painters so why did you choose painting instead of spraying yeah so painting obviously trying to mimic this kind of style with it's um that's an example of one of the works that i've done um is is obviously mimicking uh the the natural environment around me so the the people that use this that do that barbershop kind of stuff and use paint. So I'm trying to echo their sensibilities in the work that I create and kind of creating a, hopefully creating some kind of resonance between the, the, the two, like something urban and contemporary with people that are maybe from different backgrounds. It's also the way that I work is I also include other uh, people to help me paint. Um, so I have guys from, from, from disadvantaged backgrounds that assist. So I could actually do it in spray paint if I wanted to, but it's also a matter of creating employment for other people and getting other people to assist. So it becomes quite a um, collaborative process. Um, involves a little bit of uh, guidance and patience and nurturing other people. So um, it's also... Uh, I also do graphic design and commercial illustration for big ad agencies and um, sometimes I create this, that, that last one with the girl with the elephant was actually a self-funded project where I've approached companies to get money to do the project because I have to pay bills but also I'm pursuing those personal creative projects so that I can enable other guys to, to get paid like the younger guys and train them and mentor them so it's, it's been something you're talking about having a seed um, I'm not happy just doing commercial work. So, I'm, and obviously, I'm not a. I am a full-time creative person, but I do a mix of different things. But I have a desire to to try and do projects like this, where I can impact the community and impact people that don't have the opportunity to work and things like that. Yeah, awesome. And um, the the clean lands, uh, you know, you. The very clean lands. You, you spoke a little bit about chaos, and when, when you were sharing about your dad and the weeds, I kind of went, I wonder how much of that you, you're not doing it properly or, you know, impacted. Yeah, it might have just been, yeah, kind of, uh, yeah, trying to be a perfectionist in a world that's, that's full of uh, disharmony and chaos, like trying to be a beacon of hope, uh, to try and create something that when people look at it, they might think it's a print, a digital print and then actually walk up it walk up to it and say, Wow, it's it's actually been painted. And I'm hoping that's a metaphor for us as humans and as Christians that we we're trying to trying to be the light of the world, trying to spread hope, trying to show people that, you know, in darkness, in dark times there you can actually come you can rise from that. Mm. 
Yeah. I'm not good at talking. <laughs> he really is. Give him a clap just to show him he is amazing. <laughs> Um, sometimes you, you said there have been some difficult encounters as you've arrived at certain places to do your work. Um, do you want to share one or two of those? So I've had the opportunity to, to, to paint all over South Africa as well as overseas. Um, but obviously the most interesting and nerve-wracking ones are the ones in South Africa. And I think, just, um, I think maybe the reason why you're interviewing me is maybe ho I'm hoping that you can get something from this metaphorically and whatever maybe God has planted in, inside of you or whatever you may do is uh, some of the projects that I've been commissioned by the municipality are, like, for example, the taxi rank in Amgenia Road. Directly opposite there's, like, a lot of homeless people. There's an, there were, it was actually an old... Uh, my dad actually used to go there back in the 80s. It was an old table tennis association house, but it's now, like, homeless people are living there from all over Africa. And uh, the first day when we arrived to do the... Well, actually, the, the day before we arrived, they primed the wall, because before you paint, you have to prime the wall so that the paint sticks on it. And the day that we arrived, they had stuck those Nigerian, like, abortion stickers and things all along, because it was a perfectly white uh, canvas. Cool, just stick, you know. And we thought, flip, we're going to... We're going to paint this, we're, going, we're being commissioned and they're just going to destroy it and the mural still stands today, it has been scratched and stuff but it still stands there and no one has stuck stickers on, which is a nice thing but also the first day that we arrived there was a guy chasing another guy with a bottle, a broken bottle uh, there was broken glass around and my wife was worried obviously if I was going to survive three days, three weeks of working there because it was a three week project um, and also that area is, is known for a lot of crime um, and uh, like I'm just going to be bluntly you don't see white people in that area um, and actually before I pitched the concept I walked around and I interviewed people and asked them what they wanted as a mural and a lot of them weren't really able to articulate what they wanted they just said colour, colour is cool just <laughs> put colour there you know like anything you know and I, and I was really scared that because no one was talking to me and I was really scared that it was going to, uh, like I was going to maybe get mugged or something, but it ended up by the end of the last week. It was really cool to see a lot of people were just becoming so friendly and it was actually becoming hard to paint the mural because people were so stoked. <laughs> and that was, that, 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 like the, the thing about painting murals, it isn't actually about the painting, it's the discussion, it's the community, it's creating, having the opportunity to talk and share stories and inspire people. That's the thing that really makes me want to paint the murals, um, knowing that it's going to hopefully impact some people um, in some small way. Um, uh, and I have been mugged before, which has been quite hectic, <laughs> but I, I don't want to talk about that. <laughs> Um, so, yeah, I, I think um, the other thing that struck me is that um, you see your art as being such an opportunity to kind of bridge, bridge divides and, and that that's a lot of what just keeps you doing this work. Yeah. Mm. I, the one project that I did do, also just as an artist, I, if I moved overseas, I don't think I would be doing what I do here. I might just go get a job as a designer in, a, in New York or wherever. Um, and I just feel there's so much opportunity here to make an impact because there is so much need. Um, and the one project that I did, instead of just painting a picture, I went and interviewed people, asking people uh, five questions. Um, 
Uh, I won't get into the questions that I asked, but the one question was that I interviewed. I interviewed this hobo guy. Um, if you go into town, he juggles these sticks um, on Amgeni Road. And I had asked him, what is the one thing that you want to um, like tell the world? And he just said he wishes that people weren't so cold. Like cold, There's so many people that are cold to the world. Um, they all shout at him and say, go get a job, whatever. And he actually enjoys doing this juggling thing, and that's his thing. Um, and I think just so often, people just get so cold. They get so cold, uh, and their seat becomes closed. Mm. Um, and they, they're just from all the negativity that they see in the world. And I thought that was really inspiring to hear from, from someone that's got probably far less than me. Yeah. Um, cool. Jess, do you have those um, pictures of Freedom Park? Okay. Um, yeah, tell us about the Freedom Park project. Freedom Park was also commissioned by Itzequini. Um It's a sports ground in Komashu. Um, yeah, it's, uh, it's really nice to paint these murals. Like, it's in the heart of Komashu. And, uh, again, it's, the way that you get these projects is it's an open call where anyone can submit a concept. And it's nice to know that your work can be... They, they actually submit, look at your work democratically. They don't know who's submitting. So it's really great to get selected because the local councillor will select who they want painted. So you know that the councillor and the community wants you to be there, but there's obviously the negative elements of people saying, oh, what are you doing here? Why are you coming to paint in this area? Um, and these are boys and girls' toilets for the tennis court and the basketball court. But Freedom Park actually faces um, uh, like a park, and it's it's very it's really hectic. Like you see, there's like some hectic stuff happening there, like drugs and yeah, I won't get into it. And I, yeah, I just my hope is that obviously in my small way that I do inspire people. Like I, I just talking about me because it's it's easier to talk about it. When I was a kid. Growing up, I was in a, uh, driving with my dad and my mom in a Volkswagen through the city and was like in the early 1990s. And at the RCC, there's a prison. There used to be a prison there, and there's actually a prison wall. If you go there now, you'll see the artwork is still there, but it's fading. And the, that artwork, I actually saw them painting it as a kid, probably the, the age of my son. Nah, um, maybe a bit older, but... Um, also, just thinking back and seeing that artwork and asking my dad, what is that about... Um, also maybe influenced me in the way that I'm thinking as an artist. So I'm just, I'm, my hope is that you never know whatever you're doing, whatever small thing, how that can impact, whether you're helping someone who's dying or uh, if you're a builder and you're building something for someone and just the small interactions, you really don't know. Just speaking from my experience, just how much you can impact your communi community and like, I do art. It's, like, it's not a, like, life-saving thing. It's, like, something very, like, minimal. Like, I think it's, like, there's nothing great about what I do. But I really want to encourage you guys, if you have a burden, like, if there's something uh, within you, to explore that. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Awesome. Um, Wes has got such a heart. Um, uh, you, you, you spoke about it on, on Tuesday, and I loved it. Just to to bridge the gap between the poor and the rich and the different socioeconomic divides and the different races and just to, to just cross those lines that so often we're, we're too nervous to cross. And um, I can't imagine that seeing that beautiful, like those containers at Freedom Park won't just 
have an impact or an influence on people behaving differently. You know, when you see something beautiful, there's, there's many studies being done just that, you know, even like there's the broken glass theory. When there's destruction around, it changes people's behavior. But when there's something beautiful, it just it speaks to the heart and it, it creates a different outlook and, and different approach. So I absolutely believe that it's having a tremendous impact. Um, there's just one more thing uh, before I release you. Um, you've just done quite an, or just in the last month or two, you did an interesting project. Do you just want to quickly tell us about that? Yeah, so just also hopefully that just um, inspires you guys as I had a passion because I'm turning 40 this month. I've wanted to, I also feel just as a Christian and, you know, you you go through the motions of life and you're doing stuff and maybe you're able to put food on the table and get on with your day-to-day life. As also as an artist, I've been blessed to get to this stage. I've created a mural program where you where I've raised enough money to commission other artists to paint. Um, and that's been one of the best feelings, knowing that I could have taken that money and used it for myself, but actually give the opportunity for other people to to create paintings and to get paid to do it as well. Um, because for me, I've listened and seen that there is a severe lack of opportunities, obviously in art, obviously in a lot of things in South Africa. Um, and since then, we've had really great big discussions with um, the way where we did it was in point down towards the point area um, where it's being redeveloped. But it's something that I totally initiated. It took three years to raise the money and get approvals. But um, a lot of more doors are being opened in terms of other people want to get on board to create more murals and to create more opportunities for, for artists. Um, so, yeah, it's, it, it's been very difficult to raise that amount of money to do it. And I'm just saying I'm hoping that that, that inspires you guys as well, whatever you may do. You know, it, it can be very daunting if you have a small seed within you, but try reaching out. You never know what may happen. Awesome. I think there's a quick little Instagram clip of that Southopedia. The, the project was called Southopedia. So um, Southopedia is South, meaning South Africa, and Pedia actually means to discover. So discovering the, the themes of the murals, yeah, is all about capturing and discovering the South. And Thanks, Jess. That was actually commissioned by Innovate Durban that um, commission, they, they promote technology within, within the KZN region, which is people can apply for, for funding if they, have, if they want to design an app. So the theme of it was a bit uh, sci-fi. <laughs> Futuristic. Awesome. Um, Wes, what's your, just in closing, what's your inspiration? What keeps you going and, and keep wanting to do this? Yeah, I think... I think life is, is hard. I think we face many challenges and trials in our lives. And uh, we've been going to Olive Tree and Clue for quite a number of years now. And uh, I think definitely what the church, you guys talk about, about um, enjoying God and love people, release potential, impact community, it, it's really been uh, something that's played a huge role in me as an artist, um, thinking about where do I fit in as a Christian and how do I fit in, in my role in South Africa um, so that's what really what keeps me going. I really think that we all play a huge role in no matter shape or form. So it really that's what really makes me 
want to keep doing what I do. Awesome. Why don't you give Wes a big hand? Is there anything else you want to say? No? Cool. Um, I'm just going to pray for you, Wes, and your family. Father, I just, I just want to thank you for, um, for this man, for the gifts that you've placed inside of him. I thank you that he is a sign pointing to you, God, that, um, that he is bringing hope into places of darkness, that he is creating opportunities for others, God, and that, um, your Father, each and every time that we see a mural or, or one of his murals, God, may we be reminded that he does this to point us out to you. May we continue to ask you, God, what, what it is um, that we can point a sign to you in, in our lives. Father, I just ask that you'd bless him, open more uh, doors of opportunity, allow him and the guys that he works with to have greater influence in this city and way beyond. God, thank you for him and his family. Please bless him in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks, y'all. Awesome. Give him a big hand as he gets down. Um, yeah, we just, we're going to close up now, but... Um, I just, I'm, I'm just so really deeply touched by what we shared about just, you know, it can be the tiniest little thing that God has done inside of us that we can just go, God, what is it that this thing that you've put inside of me can do to touch somebody else's life? And it, it can be something that touches thousands. And it doesn't really matter. But if we're in a place of, of going to God and, and encountering his love and, and feeling him changing our lives, it's, it's not just that he wants to do something in us. He wants to do something through us. So I'm going to ask you, if you want, all just stand to your feet, and we're just going to have a moment of prayer just to allow God to speak something further into our lives in this moment. So, yeah, God, we just thank you that um, there are ways that we can be a sign that points to you. Father, whether it's being like a great big oak tree that provides shade and comfort and, and strength for somebody that they can lean upon, that we could point it back to you, God, or just a smile for somebody who's looking broken and dejected. God, there are just so many ways, Father, that we can be a sign that points to you. And God, I would like you to ask, I would just ask you, Father, right now, to bring to our minds something that you've done inside of us a moment that we've had with you, a revelation, something we've read, a song we've heard that caused something to change within us. God, won't you just bring that to mind in us now? Father, we thank you for doing that thing inside of us. And God, we ask that you would give us an opportunity to share that with somebody. God, that you would just place somebody around us who asks a question that we can give an answer to that points to you, God. Help us to have our eyes open to see that there is somebody who's longing for a touch of your kingdom, whether they know it or not, God. And Father, there would not be something that we beat people over the heads with, but it would just be something so genuine and real to us, God, that we go, you know, this happened, and we know that as we say it, it points us on to you, and it changes somebody's life, God. Father, just lift up those seeds inside of us. And I ask you to bring to mind, God, whether there's something that you've placed in our hearts that you want to soften the soil around, God, if it's something that is a burden that we know that you have wired us to do something about, or something horrible that's happened that, God, you want us to reach out to others with. Or maybe it's just something that we have been so passionate about our whole lives. God, we just take a moment before you
to, to speak to us about what that thing is that you want us to maybe take a step with. And Father, would you just please speak to us about what the one next thing is that we could do to take a brave and bold step towards that. If there is just one thing that we can do this week to walk in direction with that seed. Father, thank you for what you've placed inside of us. Thank you that we won't all be aware and we won't all start an NGO, but we all just need to be ourselves. And you have placed seasons out of us that we can use to point a sign to you, to point a sign to your love, to your goodness, and to bring kingdom to this earth. God, please may we be a community who will impact community. In Jesus' name, amen.